Welcome to Southpaws, episode 520, The Mega Suck. TM. <laughs> I'm Saverin. I'm Fuzzwolf. And what a week it's been. What a week. Oh my god. So I think I mentioned last week that Adam wasn't feeling well on the recording and he'd been to the vet. So this past week has involved multiple more trips to the vet. Yeah. Four trips in five days. Oof. And a grand total of $2,500 and a surgery. Little man lost about six ounces of hairball out of his stomach. <laughs> and lo and behold, he feels a lot better now. That's really good. I had been so worried for, well, since Friday, that, oh my god, my, my son is dying. And he wasn't eating food, he was just drinking water, he was very lethargic. And it turns out he had accumulated, like, half a pound of hairball into his little stomach that was impeding him from eating, but thankfully wasn't keeping him from drinking water. So, little man lost some weight in a very difficult way. Yeah, don't recommend it. He has now a incision, well, stapled, like, incision... About the length of my index finger, yep. going from, like, the base of his sheath all the way up to sort of, like, the center of his stomach. Well, the tip of his sheath, not the base. Yeah, well... Otherwise, that would be, like, like a nine-inch long, like... It's still... Okay, something. it's a significant yeah. proportion of his body. Yeah, I, I looked at the picture, and, you were, and I was like, that's like a fifth of his body length. Yeah, like, like I put my finger, like, to kind of give you a context because of the scale, but... It's quite the, the length. Yeah, like a, a five or six inch incision is like not too bad on a human, but like... When it's a considerable it's, portion of your body length. Yeah, it's half his abdomen, I mean... <laughs> yeah, but I'm very happy to say that my little man is feeling way better. He's been asking for treats. He's been eating his, eating his dog food and asking for more. Mm-hmm. We've had to be pretty careful with what we give him, though. Yeah. Um, but like he's on... Some doggy Tylenol 3. It's Metcam. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has some doggy painkillers. He has some antibiotics, which he's very much not a fan of me trying to give it to him. Because I have to basically open his mouth and just kind of toss it down his little throat. Yeah. Um, but this past week has been one of the most emotionally intense, like, because of personal shit things in the last while. Yeah. Because I've been so worried about him. Yep. Um, and now, thankfully, he's back to feeling much better. He got a. He's eating food. He's got a good walk today, and now he's just like, "Yo, give me jerky." He was sitting in Panther's lap watching Netflix. Well, not Netflix, but whatever he's watching, mm-hmm. HBO Max or whatever. We canceled Netflix mm-hmm. um, as I left. So that last week, whew, what what a week! I'm really relieved that he's okay now. Because, yeah, like, it's it's surprising how intense the emotions can be when it's like, oh my god, my little man, he's not feeling well, oh my god. But, I mean, it only ran us about $2,500. Like, dog surgery is actually a lot more affordable than human surgery, it turns out. Yeah. Um, they had a zero or two to that for Yeah, totally. Because, I mean, to scale... That'd be like removing a five, ten pound hairball out of a human relative to size. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, I asked them, hey, do you have photos of this? And they're like, no, we'll do you one better. And they brought it out in a bag to <laughs> show me. Like, they yeah. had, like, little medical specimen bags to show. Yep. And it was 
considerable. Gnarly. Yeah, like yeah. this had been building up for a while, and thankfully we managed to catch it and get it taken care of before it became like even worse. Mm-hmm. But still, it was like, good lord, little man, what the fuck? So Savage Dog, he is going to be okay. Yes, that that that's the important takeaway: is that Adam will be fine. Yeah, um, he he was being. Now that he's feeling better, he's like asking for more attention. Mm-hmm. It's like I went to sit, I sat down on the floor to put on my socks and shoes, and he immediately like jumps into my lap and is like, "Nope, you're not going anywhere." <laughs> that before I got got over here, but that's been like the major thing going on in my world. Is oh like, yeah! Oh my god! We'll worry like that. Just suck up every inch of, atten- of your attention. It really had, and like I, I literally posted that the when the vet called me. And said, Adam's fine. They got this, you know, this chunk out of this hairball out of his stomach. He'll be okay. Come pick him up about 5.45. I literally had to go take a nap. (laughs) I had been so high strung. Yeah. That, like, immediately just hit me how fucking tired I was. I went and took a 90-minute nap. Yeah. (laughs) And I felt better. Yeah, that's totally legit. And then we got him and brought him home. And it's been back to doggy normal for him. Yep. But, like, this week has been, there's been all sorts of news in the crypto space. None of it good for crypto bros. Um, Housewide vacuum systems. Alex Hirsch finally burning all his bridges with Disney. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's like, I'm I'm glad he did. I'm glad, you know, somebody spoke out about some of the behind the scenes of of being a showrunner. Yeah, Disney. we can do that part first because sure. they he Alex Hirsch made Gravity Falls mm-hmm. and he's worked on a few more seasons, Amphibia, uh, which finished on Disney, and he's also worked on Inside Job, which is on Netflix, and it's a very fun show. You should watch it. Oh, I think I might have seen. We some watched of it. some of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that yeah. was the one where the, they work at Cognito Inc. and yeah, you know, the the lizards. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we watched several episodes together, Fuzz. That's right. Yeah, yeah. All the conspiracy theory stuff that was actually true. Yeah, yeah. The the robo prez that wants to kill all humans, stuff like that. <laughs> it's right. a really I, fun show. I do remember that. Yeah. Um, I haven't watched it. Gravity. <laughs> I haven't watched Gravity Falls, but I, um, I keep hearing it's good. I have it on Blu-ray. If you if you want to do like a a, a watch of it, sure. Yeah, because it's a great show. Yep, for that. Um, yeah. So he decided that he's going to burn all the bridges. And one of the things he did this week is he posted a video about all the standards and practices emails that he got back. Mm-hmm. And one in particular stood <laughs> out because they're like, don't make the character dress up as a barrel because it might look like a furry. Yeah. And they specifically were like people with the sexual fetish of furry. furry. Yeah. And, Hirsch is like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> Disney, please enjoy our classics like Robin Hood, The Lion King, Utopia, Furries. Okay. Disney, not, not like that. <laughs> Homeboy was very much just very amused, but he's just like, yeah, you know, Disney standards and practices from 10 years ago, because mm-hmm. that was how long ago Gravity Falls ended, yeah. was just like, yeah, you can't have this, and you can't have these gay characters, and you can have this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. And the reason that he called this out was that Disney was trying to, like... It's on Disney+. Plus. It's on Disney+, Plus. they're yeah. also trying to be like, yo, in Pride Month, we have all this inclusive programming. Yeah, so, and- so Disney+, Plus put, like, a specific section of their, their Pride programming with all of their 
I guess, queer or queer-friendly material under it. And Gravity Falls was one of them. And, like, one of the things that they pointed out to him was that they these two characters seemed too fond of each other. They wanted it to be funny, not flirtatious. And he basically lied and said they're buddies. Yeah, the, the two cops. <laughs> and now, years later, it's like, Gravity Falls is in our Pride collection. Well, because, like, they did that, and they did the... Now, admittedly, Owl House has a straight-up, the two characters kiss. Yeah. Like, it's a 20-second thir- scene, and it's very cute. These baby lesbians are off doing magical adventure bullshit. And apparently the moms kiss in the new Buzz Lightyear film. Okay. They're but, like, it's the main character, her wife, and their kid. Yeah. They're like the main characters or something, oh. which I didn't know. But I have recently found out that um, Chris Evans, Captain America actor, is playing Buzz Lightyear uh-huh. in this film instead of Tim Allen. And um, Chris Evans made like a really good uh, tweet. Basically, you know, fuck anybody that is that isn't queer friendly or is anti black or you know, uh, all all these people don't fuck with me. Basically, and um, somebody replied, "Wow, Tim Allen would never." <laughs> and it's like, no, yeah, you actually have like someone who appears to be a decent human being is uh, is playing that role now. Yeah, and then the replies to Alex's tweet, the, you know, no, not like that, is like, hey, it's Miss Kitty from Great Mouth Detective. I and, know, right? Uh, uh, the She's from Oliver and Company. She's the poodle. Um, uh, Fifi? Fifi, I guess? I don't know. I don't. All I know is that I've seen porn of the character. Yeah. And yeah. of course, there's a squirrels from Swords I've seen of more porn of Rita, who is like less overtly sexualized in the film, but is just sort of like this badass character. So like... I think people kind of gravitated to her personality, and of course, Gadget and Kovu and everybody mm-hmm. else, and all the all the furry right. crushes that the Disney has created. And there's a lot of furry crushes they've created by because you need to make visually appealing characters in general if you want people to watch your movies. Visually appealing doesn't necessarily mean sexy, but of course, no. a, lot, a lot of furries do. Did and do latch on to certain characters. Make the lion sexy. Yeah. But then there's, that's one of two things that I can specifically recall right now is Nala's Fuck Me Eyes, yes. which is like, there's no way to misinterpret that expression. That is 100%. I want your dick, Simba. You know? Uh, they knew what they were fucking I've, I've implying straight, with that. I've straight said that that got me feeling away. Yeah, you know, I got to get that lussy. Mm-hmm. Was was love in the air tonight? I or, guess. Or, or, I, yeah. Young can me, you feel the love tonight? Young me though? was like, damn, I want to fuck that lion. Yeah, but like the mouse stripper in Great Mouse Detective, yeah. like literally, uh, like a burlesque dancer, like in teasing and, and the audience and the audience of mostly male rodents going nuts over her. It's yeah. like, that is a specifically sexual scene. So it's really weird for Disney to have this take of being like, no, no, we don't want to sexualize anything. You we know? don't want people to we want people to think of the furries. Yeah. Like, um, but that was, that was funny though, because he just, he's like, look, I don't give a shit anymore. I'm not working with them anymore. Both my shows that I was working on with Disney are done. Yeah. And he's continuing to work on inside job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But it, and it, and not even just just the thing about the furries and the we don't want them to look gay thing. There's a lot of there, there, some of them are funny, some of them are just ridiculous. Like what, what the fuck are you even talking about? Yeah, I love the one where it's like a character's water bottle. I think it was said something on it that they didn't want to imply it might have been was like a bear pool party or something like that and they were like that has a sexual connotation so he changed it to not approved by standards and practices and they they were like can you make it not say that he's like no so they actually wrote has been approved (laughs) not approved by standards and practices has been approved by standards and practices and it's just like yeah like disney for all of their like he, yeah, he just sort of sets his amusement of is this my life really? Like yeah, I this mean, is ridiculous. You have this thing that you have to straddle when it comes to like making shit, where it's like yeah, I want to do this, and then you end up with mm-hmm. like Disney on your ass because like you had the the one that everybody points out is like fucking Voltron Legendary Defender, okay. which went zero to kill your gaze like instantly in like a single episode they're like oh this character he's gay also his husband is extremely dead here's the flashback and also the flashback of them him dying that was one episode wow he is now sad and exiled by so they managed to do a fridging and a kill your gaze yes they they did a kill your gaze in like a single episode because like everyone was like oh shit you know these characters have chemistry and they're gonna, they should be gay together. And then, like, they sent one of the characters off to basically the moon, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that had a real, that left everybody with a bad taste. Yeah, it killed off like the the one strong female character that was not one of the main cast. Mm-hmm. I've not seen it, but I just know that everyone, if like, if I say the words Voltron around a certain class of people, they'll like their hackles will raise. Right. Then you end up with stuff like. Owl House, which has explicit little, you know, baby gays in it. Mm-hmm. Like, the two characters are together, they hold hands, they have kissed. But then it also got cancelled by... Then it also got cancelled, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, their third season got extremely truncated by Disney, because it's not what we want. It's a very popular uh, serialized story that has, you know, piecemeal episodes, but because it's gay, they're like, we don't want this. And so they cancel it, but also try to do the whole, we're so progressive and gay, reboot capitalism, yay! Yeah. Um, you had... The, and, like, there's... And that's actually not a winning strategy. Like, no. on a corporate level, on a societal level, most people are okay with gay people at this point. Yeah. Like, like it's something like 70% of Americans support gay marriage at this point. Yeah, it's so just it's the like, nasty fuckers that are very loud that yeah. are... But they don't even need to do this. You know, they don't need to be so afraid and so tepid about any kind of queer representation in their yeah. in their media. Like they could go full full out with it if they wanted to. They just I have you know, but I, I do think maybe things are changing because, like, not that it's gay at all or queer at all, but like. The Rescue Rangers movie, as we discussed, is so completely off the hook that, like, I can't imagine if the standards and practices people that worked on Alex Hirsch's show had been over Rescue Rangers, it'd be a very different film. Oh, yeah. You know? Just the 
just the dark shit that they imply in there, and yeah. just the weird stuff, like, you know, ugly Sonic, and yeah. the, the various bits where, like, hey, they have Sora's hair in the, you know, <laughs> yeah. the fucking bootlegging room and shit, like, it's just, it's, yeah, it, it's really dark, and it's, you know, it's got a lot of implied things, and, like, I just, so the fact that they made that, and the fact that, like, the the main characters in Buzz Lightyear are a lesbian couple, and, and their kid, it's like, okay, maybe they are slowly, glacially changing. And on a more corporate level, there was a couple of recent... Uh, blockbuster movies, like I think one was Disney and one was a Marvel one, where they were like, "Oh, you don't want to show this in your movie because of X, Y, and Z." Well, okay, fuck you, and they just didn't show it. Like I don't think I think Multiverse of Madness is not available in like two or three countries, and I don't know exactly why. I don't know if there's a gay character or anything. Like but- there's there's been a couple countries that banned Buzz Lightyear because of the gay character, and they're like, all right, whatever, bye. Yeah, and I'd, I'd heard like that about Buzz Lightyear. There were Eastern countries. They're, they're, well, like, in China, like, you know, it just won't be shown in China. Like, yeah, they could edit out the background lesbians in Rise of Skywalker, but, but when your main character has is a woman and has a wife, like... Yeah. You, you can't do that much hacking and cutting to it. So. And, like, at this point, Disney has to realize with all the fucking heat that they've been getting from the the fascists that, like, their numbers really haven't probably gone down that much, if at all. Like, people are still going to Disney, and I would really like them to realize that these motherfuckers don't actually have that much power, like, yeah. in terms of finances. Because and and they that's can... the problem with this country overall, is that it is a small minority of extremists are controlling the narrative and they're putting people in Congress. And one of our two major political parties has taken up that cause, but like there's no war, but culture war, the percentage of people that actually support the kind of laws and shit that the extreme right want to push is very small, but you know, because of gerrymandering and, and other political and games media and complicity, shit. really. And media complicity is a huge thing. So, like, and I social guess media as well. these corporations think that, oh, no, we have to play nice with the <clears throat> conservatives. I wish they would realize that, no, you really don't. Flush conservatives down the fucking toilet. They're not, they're not worth your time or attention because, like, they're going to make their own parallel culture thing. You know, you look at people like Gina Carino who threw their career in the fucking toilet because they wanted to be transphobic, and now she's doing movies with the Daily Fucking Wire about, ooh, those scary Indians in the, in the Wild West. And uh-huh. it's like, which one of these Greeks paid a fuckload more? And I guarantee you it's not the Daily Fucking Wire. She was set to headline her, her own, own show. show in the Star Wars universe. And it's like, that would have made her household name. I mean... You know, I'm not. I'm. I'm gonna say, yeah, yeah. She's she's a badass character. The woman can act. She is extremely fit. She's really good at the fighting stuff. She has all the fucking, you know, markers in her bio to basically be like the next like Milo Jovovich yeah. or Michelle Yeoh. You know, someone that headlines major films as like an action hero, but. She's a fucking shitty person. Yeah, she died on that <laughs> hill of being a turf, 
And now she's doing movies and, uh, for the Daily Not Wire. a turf, but also, like, there's a lot of anti-Semitic things she posted yeah. to, like, Instagram and stuff. So, like, she like, was... She's all in on all of that bullshit, you know? And it's like, oh, I'm so principled. Yeah, you just flushed millions and millions of dollars down the toilet. Yeah, you can run the grifter circuit for a while, but they'll find some other darling, you know, some blonde white lady, because she I, sure isn't either one of those. I And I'm not, you know, I'm not worried about her being able to keep a roof over her head. And oh, yeah, she's table. fucking paid. Whatever. She'll be able, she'll be just fine. She's, she's not going to be fucking Robert Downey Jr. Jr. levels of fame and wealth from being a major character in the Marvel series. But, you know, she'll get by. Okay, yeah. there's lots of B and C and D-list actors out there. That... I mean, Kevin Sorbo is still doing God's Not Dead movies. And fuck that guy. Yeah. You know, he should have just stuck to being a brainless Hercules. Yep. Or a shitty knockoff Star Trek captain in Andromeda. Yeah, there's like there's like at least a half dozen known name actors who have turned out to just be shitty. And Tim they Allen. can go with uh huh? Tim Allen. Tim Tim Allen, Mel Gibson, Vince Vaughn. Uh fucking original Kirk, William Shatner. William Shatner's kinda shitty, yeah. Real shithead. I I sometimes wonder if he's just old and doddering and handed his Twitter account off to some younger tech-savvy person who decided to just be really shitty. But I don't, then again, Shatner has a long history of just being a shitty person to work with. Most of the original Star Trek cast hated his guts. Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> and you have this also, and I don't know if it's a rainbow capitalism or just, hey, there's gay characters in media, because, like, you have the Star Trek account leaning into talking about the non-binary villain character in Strange New Worlds. I don't think she's non-binary. She's trans. Okay, cool. And I believe she's played by a trans actress. Okay. Well, I don't I know. I don't actually know if the character is trans. The actress is trans. What I do know is that the buzz around the show kind of makes me want to get Paramount Plus to watch it. Yeah, Strange New Worlds is actually really fucking good. Yeah. Um, it's, I've been really enjoying it. There's like a couple of known characters from the original series. There's, there's young Spock and young Uhura is, Uhura is a cadet, uh, uh-huh. and Spock is still the science officer. And Captain Pike, who was introduced in the original series by a flashback to the unaired pilot, um, and he's in the movies, the, yeah. the new movies. Uh, and he was in season two of Discovery, so he's leading it up. He's very good, but all the new characters they've introduced are are fantastic. Like they, there's great writing. They they've put a lot of thought into the characterization of everybody. And the new the new character is that, that was in this past episode is is a villain. Yeah, and she's really cool. And like Ajax and I immediately noticed. It was like. She looks way too cool to be like what she's pretending to be. A spoiler, sorry for episode seven, I think, of yeah. Strange New Worlds. But, but like Trek has been really good as of late in terms of the representation. Yeah. But then you also have Star Wars recently coming up with like the primary antagonist in Obi Wan being a black woman. Reva, yep. And then like them going to bat on social media yes. being like, Hey, don't be racist about our main villain. What the fuck? I 
I really hate that that actors have to do this, but I really appreciate when they do. But uh, Ewan McGregor, who plays Obi-Wan, um, posted a video about, you know, thanks for watching Obi-Wan Kenobi. We appreciate it, but I want to address some ugliness that we've seen on the internet. And he basically was like, I, I, I stand by my co-star, you know, and as the lead actor on the show, I, I set the tone. And the tone is, we're not putting up with fucking racists. Yeah. But also, this support went cross-faction. I say that because there's a lot of Star Trek versus Star Wars discourse, but there's yeah. a lot of nerds like me that like all, that we, that like um, what my old friend called the geek triumvirate, Star Trek, Star Wars, and Doctor Who. Yeah. And, um, cause Doctor Who gets a lot of this shit thrown at it too. But, um, the guy that plays Christopher Pike, Anson Mount, um, also put out, um, a Twitter and Instagram post talking about how he supports Moses Ingraham, the actress who plays Reva. Yeah. And how, you know, you know, Star Trek, Heart, Star Wars kind of thing. Like, we're all in this together. You know, we support our, our sci fi show brethren against racism. And, like you said, the official, at Star Wars account was like there's there's no place for racism in our galaxy. Yeah, and like, like well, so, I'm really glad to see stuff like that. And furthermore, they posted uh, the Star Wars account on Twitter posted about it's like hey for Pride Month check out this new Tales of the Bounty Hunters comic and it features like a lesbian couple as like the principal characters. Oh neat! And some dipshit was like, don't make Star Wars political. And the reply, <laughs> they, yeah, they re- yeah, I think I saw the reply. The official this, reply from the Star Wars Twitter account is one: queer people existing is not political. Two, we're literally called Star Wars. Yeah, you know they are political by nature, and so like that person got ratioed into oblivion. Yeah, I think I saw somebody reply to and would be like, "What you mean the original trilogy with their Nazi-inspired uniforms and a small, scrappy rebellion fighting against the fascist regime wasn't political? Well, like, (laughs) it was literally the rebels were supposed to be, like, the Viet Cong to the Imperial Americans. Well, also, you gotta gotta remember, it's 1977, there's Jewish people working on it, World War II is only 30 years ago. They're literally called fucking stormtroopers. They're called stormtroopers. There are clear parallels to Nazis. In the Empire. Yeah, so, like, you couldn't have made this not political if you wanted to, but people so willfully blinded themselves to it, and so, like, it's almost shocking when in 2022 you have to have the official Star Wars account being like, yo, we're called fucking Star Wars, it's political. Yeah. Like, sure, maybe when I was six or seven... It was, it, and I watched Star Wars, it was the goodies and the baddies, and it was a lot of shooty bang bang, cool laser sword fights in spaceships. And I probably didn't get it, the political messages at the time. But most of these people have watched Star Wars since childhood, if they're the huge fans they claim they are. Like, I've probably watched the original movie like 30 fucking times. Oh, t- you know, <laughs> I know for a fact that I wore out a couple of VHS of the original trilogy films. Yeah, like you can't watch those movies as an adult and and not not understand, you know, the parallels. And that, this is what is so powerful to me about fiction in general 
as a genre, whether it's it's books or movies or anything at all like that, um, and and mu- music too. Just it all has a message, you know. Yeah, and sometimes that message is I'm horny and I want to fuck. If it's like a pop song or something like that, but God, you really have to like. You can't, I don't know, I don't know if people can just turn off their higher brain functions when they're watching some films and, you know, enjoy all the blowing up and stuff. Because, I mean, on one level, like, all the blowing up and shit is fun to watch. But, like, like take, like, fucking Avengers Endgame. Like, they're literally fighting against a guy that wants to kill half of all life because he thinks that will solve like, universal hunger and stuff like that. That's a fucking political message. And, you know, and he has followers and people who believe in, in what he's trying to do. Like, he has a movement. He's a right-wing movement. Yeah. You know? It's... I, I, I guess if you don't have a fucking thought in your head, you know, if you're straight middle class and white and all you care about is like taking your kids to the movie and you don't really think about anything maybe you just gloss over all of it and then they complain about like start like the shows like star trek discovery and strange new worlds being too overtly political and for a while i actually felt that like okay maybe maybe the old star treks weren't as overt about it maybe it was more subtle and then I I re I rewatched some and I saw this thread on Twitter about original Star Trek. When did Star Trek become political? Nineteen sixty six. Yep. Like there's so much just blatantly political things in that show. And it's like nowadays in our view it's fucking ham fisted as shit, but back then it was bold and innovative and showed people like we're making a stance on this shit, right? Yeah. And, you know, I remember uh, Gene Roddenberry in interviews years and years ago talking about we tackled issues that you couldn't do on television drama because it was science fiction, yeah. because it was fantasy, it was in space, it, it wasn't real, right? But then they can do things like have the first interracial kiss on network television and do really obvious race war things like the guys with the the black on one side of their face and the Uh white on the other. And it flies under the radar of the network censors. But like they're, they're writing a fucking parable about civil rights. Yeah. I mean, even TNG, which. Panther and I have been doing a rewatch. Yeah. That was a really good segue that we kind of could talk into that. Right, yeah. Because, um, like, there's episodes of season one that deal with the death penalty, that deal with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, freedom of conscience. You had Measure of a Man, which is talking about what is a person. Yeah. You know, data, is he is he a property of Starfleet? Is he a person? Um, you have episodes like even... Survivors, where it's like, it's just this one-off story where... They encounter this being and this two people that are the only survivors on a planet. And they were like, oh, you're this infinitely powerful galactic energy being who wiped out an entire race of people. Mm-hmm. We'll leave you to yourself. Have a good day. Yeah. You know, it's like they have all these little one-off stories, but there are stories with messages that are perfectly visible in 2022, even though they were made in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Like the episodes we're yeah. watching still were airing in ni- 1989. Yeah. Um, 
Like yeah, early season three would have been eighty nine. Yeah, so like we're we're doing our rewatch, and like there's episodes that really stand out. Like damn, like I have an incredibly high tolerance for bullshit sci fi stories. Like I've been enjoying sitting down and just rewatching uh, Next Generation mm-hmm. the Panther. Yeah, and like. There's been episodes that are less than great in terms, like, say, the season two ender or uh, a question of honor, the season four, episode four of season one, mm, yeah. but like, or the original appearance of the fucking Ferengi. <laughs> it's so goofy, but like, this is stuff, these are shows that came out more than 30 years ago that have political messages. Mm-hmm. There's an, there's an episode where like, Troy gets space pregnant and has a baby and, like, mm-hmm. they basically are like, you know, oh, she should have an abortion, or she should, you know, have the child. And, you know, Picard's like, well, she has it's up to her if she wants whatever she wants to do. Yeah, because it's the 24th century and women can choose. Yeah, and you it know, was just like. We're not in our backwards fucking time. You know, <laughs> we're not going to make her have the space baby if she doesn't want to have the space baby. But then and she has the space baby. and Then it, you have, like, like, shit like, you know. The, the famous line, the Irish reunification of 2024. We're literally on track to make that deadline. Yeah. Like, there is, there's something in, I think it's in the Good Friday agreement that, that was basically a peace agreement with, between the NRA, not the NRA, the IRA, um, with Northern Ireland and, and England. That says that if if there is some point where the Irish people can have a vote to reunify the island of Ireland into one independent country, and especially after Brexit, yeah, and you know introducing border and tariff fuckery around the Northern Ireland Ireland border, like that's that that could happen. Well, I mean, it's twenty twenty two. Like that could totally fucking happen. The line also in DS nine, where it's like, by the end of the twentieth century, you know, things like this existed in all these cities, and it's like this homeless encampment. It's like, yeah, ooh, yeah, because I mean, in, mm-hmm. in that episode, they were in San Francisco, which of course has a massive homeless population. But then again, that could be said of practically every large city in the country at this point. And um, I know you haven't seen it yet, but in uh, season two, Star Trek Picard. They go back in time to 2024, which is, you know, two years from now. And Seven actually references the sanctuary districts being something that's around the corner in their, in their history. So, like, they actually call back to that Deep Space Nine episode. Yeah. In a very new episode. Isn't, um, Whoopi Goldberg also in Picard as Guinan? Guinan. Guinan? Yes. Yes, she is. Okay. That's what I thought. Um, because, like, she is a, you know, and Guinan and TNG was like this immortal, like not really mortal, but incredibly long lived, who'd mm-hmm. been around a very, very long time type person. They they do a couple of sort of hand fisted things, like Picard is older, obviously, um, but he's relatively human. And uh, he notices that Guinan looks older, and she's like, We can control the rate that we age, and <laughs> nice. I wanted to keep up with my patrons. Like, they feel more comfortable with an older bartender, basically. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, she could do that. Um, you do get to see her very young, though. They cast another actress to play, like, young Guinan before she meets Picard. Um, and that that's very cool, also. Yeah, so, I mean, in terms of media, it's still pretty gay and still very political. Yeah. And you just have to, like, not 
be not have the blinders on. You know, these fucking gamers and these nerds that are like this fandom menace motherfuckers that are like they only see their blinders and it's like, oh wow, cool, cool robots. Mm. When it's like Gundam trying to tell them a thing like, hey, war is bad and affects the civilian populace disproportionately and mm-hmm. other such nonsense. You know, it's the the image of the the person staring at the cool robot shooting a gun and the message is going over their head. And like that can be used for, you know, Star Wars, Star Trek, Doctor Who, mm-hmm. insert media property here, cyberpunk. It's like, wow, cool dystopia, you know. Yeah, I'll say Doctor Who has tackled some thorny political issues in the la- in the last three years at least. But people act like that's brand new to Jody Whitaker's tenure. It it's not. Like one of one of my favorite classic Doctor Who episodes is from the seventies. It's called The Sunmakers. It's a fourth Doctor and Leela episode of Tom Baker. And they land on Pluto. And Pluto is um is habitable at that point because it has like six artificial suns that ring around the planet. But they're all owned by this one alien corporation. Oh. And they have taxes and tariffs on everybody that lives there. And all the humans that are living there are like they're working in the mines because Pluto has some mineral that they that the aliens need for I don't know. I don't remember Starship or whatever probably. But yeah, they're all living in in this extremely indentured situation where like you can never save up enough to like leave or or move up to the next level or or support getting married or like there's even like a um there's like a burial tax. So like this char- one of the, the side characters like his father has died and they they wanted to get him the the X level of funeral like not even like the high level one and they just they just changed the price on him and he's like but but i thought it was this much i've been i've been saving all x amount of time you know and they're like oh sorry the whole thing is capitalism is bad yeah you know but then jody whitaker does an episode about rosa parks and an episode about the partition of india and suddenly Doctor Who's political. <laughs> and, and, like, they, the Daleks are based on the Nazis. Yeah. Like, the, you know, it was maybe a little less clear in, like, the very early episodes when it were very bug-eyed aliens, but another Tom Baker episode is Genesis of the Daleks, where you see how the Dalek society kind of forms and what they looked like as humanoids before they became Daleks. And they're all Nazi coded. They're all wearing like the black uniforms and the stomp, stomp salute and everything like that. It is really fucking obvious. It's Empire and Star Wars obvious. Yeah. Like you have to be willfully not looking for it to ignore it. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to other fun things. So here, I got a proof. Got of, a proof? Of yeah. one of our 11 new items from Anthrocon. All right. FIFO, fly in, fly out, come in, come out. Yeah. By so, Brokowski. Brokowski? Brokowski. All right. So he's a, an Australian artist, and nice. this takes place in Australia. And, like, something I really like about the color, uh, the cover is that it really shows off, like, the a lot of the bright colors that he uses because Aus- Australia is very colorful like that, you know, out there on the outback and everything. And um, 
yeah, it's uh, you. The the blurb is on the back, but it's it's one of those you fly into like it's sort of like being like an oil field worker. You yeah. know, you, you you fly into a, a dangerous job area. You do it for X amount of time, and then you fly out, and it's a tough way to make a living. And this is basically gay shenanigans in um, and finding yourself and coming out in that sort of context. All right. Well, let's see. FIFA work is not for the faint of heart. Long hours in remote locations, caked with red dirt, and 40-plus sea heat. Forever being pulled from home and floating back to a world that moves on without you. Certainly not a delicate environment. Logan is a closeted and conflicted dog who works in fly-in, fly-out mine sites. He and the men around him struggle with the foibles and anxieties of trying to find connection in an isolating place. After some no-string sex with one co-worker, the intervention of another forces Logan to have a start to have to start thinking longer and harder about how he relates to the men around him. Can just helping a buddy out lead to anything else? Is Logan, or anyone he knows, ready for that? FIFO, a comic dramatic exploration of perceptions of identity and behavior among rural Australian men that have sex with each other. Um, and this is actually a really full-size, like, art book-size comic. I want to say, like, 70 pages or something. If you look to the end, there's page numbers on the bottom. Yeah. Um, and then there's, you know, there's gay dogs. Yep. And there's fucking gay, um, gay dog club like page at the back and some illustrations. But yeah, like in terms of, you know, hey, here it's 85 pages at the, the end there. Yeah, I couldn't remember the exact point. Then but yeah. a couple more. So 87 total. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a comic about blue collar workers in rural Australia being gay together. Which, gotta say, that's not exactly something you've had product about in the past. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, bros being bro working at the, you know, wood processing facility. Or, you know, the rural minefields, the, the oil field, gay oil field workers. The uh, the interface mines where they, they mine interfaces. Exactly. Um, but is this, like, their first comic that they've done? I, as far as I know, yeah. I don't know if they've done another online or something. But they have... Um, I believe they have a Twitter following, and they have a Patreon where they've been posting pages. Okay, I mean, and, uh, 85 pages of comic. Um, there's my favorite poop. Oil check. Ah, fuck off, cunt. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's an exchange for you. It's very Australian, yes. Yeah, it's, it's Australian. <laughs> Oi, how about you come get a closer look, eh? It's a dog dingo person with their dick out, yeah. I mean, that's fun. I mean, this new product, is, is this going to be ready for Anthrocon? Yeah, this is the proof copy, so okay. which I just received today. So I That's have in to two e fucking weeks. Yeah, I have ah. to email them back ah. and be like, hey, we're good to go. Go ahead and print the, the whole print run. Um, yeah, I mean, gay, get new fur comics to have for Anthrocon. Yeah, so I posted a thread, which I retweeted on the Southpaws account. Um, and the thread starts with Roar Volume 11 uh, and goes all the way through all the, the new um, releases that we have. So we have, like, one anthology, two novels, and then, like, seven or eight comics and art books. Nice. So, you know, well, you can read up on it also, you know, so you're, yeah, you're so in the loop for what you're yeah. selling. Roar 11... Then the new Macro Romance, Sadia and Autumn, Milestones by Fluff Kevlar, the new art book by them, Voyage of Dreams, uh, Princess Ray art book, Soderly Art Volume 6, which always sells extremely well. Yeah. Uh, Spot of Murder, 
Which is, which is a no- it's a novel. It's a murder mystery. Unstable Bill. Yeah, so he wrote Overnight Shift. Yeah, I was like, I've yeah. been familiar. Okay, so he's written some stuff too. <laughs> Unfinished Business by Tim Sussman, which we talked about last week. Yep. Uh, FIFO, which we just talked about. Cats and Censor, which is a new Rukus art book. Yeah, so um, that's got some black and white, some color. It's all felines. Um all genders, all different types of interactions. They're, they're all feline species. You got two Kadath things, Puzz and Pals, Volume 3, and a new Pleasure Principle, Volume 3. So, yeah, there's uh, that's just some of the new stuff coming up. Yeah, I think that's mostly it, unless we manage to squeeze out like a couple of last-minute ones. Um, normally, we have like over 20 new releases for Anthrocon, but like... But 2020. But but 2020, yeah. <laughs> say 2020, uh, it's 2022. I know, but it's like... So, you know, Tieran and I realized that we need deadlines in order to get anything done. You know, unless someone just hands me a product that is completely finished, laid out, cover done, everything, and says all you have to do is upload it to the printer, it's been very hard for me to actually get projects completed in the last oh, two yeah. years. I know that. Um, so yeah, our you know, our number of new releases is a little lower. But then you also bear in mind that like we have stuff that came out at Midwest Fur Fest in December of twenty nineteen that has never been to Anthrocon. And every con since then, so FC twenty twenty, TFF twenty twenty, then BLFC last year and FurFest last year. So if you come by our table, you're going to see a ton of stuff that you have probably never seen before unless you were at those cons. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of new to Anthrocon on our table. I'll actually uh, probably print up a list for you guys and be like, hey, here's the release dates of everything (laughs) that's come out since Anthrocon 2019. Yeah, because it's the first in-person AC in three years. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm excited, but I'm also, you know, trepidatious because, oh my god, that's going to be a lot of people in one spot. It is. I'm um, really wondering what the attendance will be like because, you know, Anthrocon's Anthrocon. It's like the big nut, you know. Um, people maybe I, I don't think people will be shy. If their attendance is not right about what it was the last time, it's going to be a lot more. Like, I I, I could see it going either way, where it's like, people are a little trepidatious about doing cons, so maybe the attendance stays about what it was, but I could also see people be like, okay, it's fucking Anthrocon, it's finally back, it's time to go balls to the wall, and they, oh, yeah, like, and they finally crack five digits in people attendance. People will have saved up money since the last Anthrocon to buy shit. Like, there will be people buying all six volumes of Stodely Art, every single volume of the San Picos art book. There will be people that come and drop several hundred dollars of, book, of money on the on books at the table. Yeah. Um, and it's a big-ass dealer's room. Like, you don't have any empty tables in there, so... even with my, you know, unexpected expenditures, I'm prepared to go to Anthrocon and buy a bunch of shit, because I also mm-hmm. have not been buying things at FurryCon since 2019. Yeah. Even though I've attended both Fiesta and Anthro Expo. Yeah. Because, like, the most I spent at Fiesta, I think I bought a print, a Nala print from Rika. Hmm. 
and a couple of minor stickers, I think, and that was it. Yeah. Because I only got down to the vendor hall twice over the course of the weekend because we were I was off on the moon. Yep. Um, and so, like, Anthrocon will literally be my first opportunity to spend money in person at a furry convention since 2019. Wow. Um, so, this bitch is bringing money. And by bringing money, I mean I have a credit card. So, yeah. because who wants to carry cash? Luckily, I think the majority of vendors um, take credit these yeah. days. And I have definitely noticed the numbers were like, it was 50-50, and then it was like 55-45. It was closer to like 80-20 at yeah. a couple of the last cons that we did. Like, credit vastly outweighs cash sales now. And like, you know, everyone knows at this point what a contactless reader is. So, yeah, I think you said, like, a lot of people were, like, booping. Well, no, it wasn't you. Sorry, you were you weren't working a table at Fiesta. But somebody had said that a lot of people, like, booping our little um, square pucks with their phones to pay and things like that. Yeah, and, like, I like being able to pay my watch. It's, mm-hmm. it's super handy to be the contactless stuff. The other thing, too, is that, like, it, the other challenge is that a lot of people have not really been in public. So, you know, I say the whole, like, people are unsocialized puppies, Mm -hmm. but this will be, for a lot of folks, their first real large group interaction in years. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. People will behave themselves. Like, I have no concerns about my own personal experience. Mm -hmm. But, like, you end up with, like, all right, are people going to go a bit too hard? But we'll see. Yeah, I'm not concerned, but it's just... You know, it's going to be a lot of furries in one spot together. The only news I heard about that was the the letter that MCFC posted about all the um, shit and puke. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there was that, but then also, like, you... There was a thing you posted there. Uh, Stratosphere had some incidents. Yeah, that was actually nothing to do with the attendees. And it wasn't even the con's fault. It was literally like, there are some motherfucking thieves out there who stole... Oh, that! Oh, I was talking about the other issue. And then the other issue was like, one of the hotel staffers... The manager on duty on Saturday night apparently just got really fucking aggro to the point where the con was like, okay... We're going to shut down the dance just to, like, have you not make an issue. Like, she called the police. Yeah, she was putting hands on furries and and non-furries. She was putting hands on just people. Yeah, Um, like, and they're like, you know, we've talked to, you know, corporate at the whatever hotel it was. And, like, we don't know what's going to happen, but... You know, we've, we've had a lot of people that were on site or involved or, you know, were uh, physically harassed by this woman. And, well, one thing's for yeah. sure hmm? is it costs that hotel the convention's business. Yeah. Like, more off, like it, when it comes to conventions, most cons don't want to move hotels unless they're absolutely forced to. But this is a situation where Strata first, like, yo, you fucked it up. We're going elsewhere. I get the feeling from the contrast post that, like, maybe they were starting to run up against uh, capacity also. Yeah, but, like, having the manager go aggro on them like that is that's definitely, not a, like, That is a, not good, no. That, that's a real kickstart. And it's like, I'm sorry, hotels see a broad variety of conventions. Furries are not the weirdest, the dumbest, the messiest. The horniest. The, the horniest, or the most destructive of any given 
slate of conventions at a typical hotel. So to just have somebody just go batshit because there's like a loud dance or something, I, I don't even know what, what set them off. Yeah. But it's just such a a weird overreaction for someone in the hotel business. Like Yeah, and like I you can guarantee that that's just not gonna happen in like Anthrocon, especially given the establishment. Like the the news mm. media in Pittsburgh has been like the furries are coming back, woo! If any hotel staff goes bonkers on a furry with no provocation at Anthrocon, that person's the losing hi- their that job. person's losing their job. The higher ups at that hotel, their management, their owners, or whatever, are like, no, we have like a fucking 12, 13, 14 year long relationship with Anthrocon at this point, yeah. like. You know, and, like, the con keeps growing, and Pittsburgh keeps building new hotels around the convention center, and they keep selling out like that. Yeah. Like, they filled out all their hotels again this year. I want to say it's, like, 12 or 16 hotels. It's something... uh, See, I was going to say 14, so, like, there's that middle number. It's still... It's a lot of hotels that are now chock full of furries. Yep. Yep. Um, So... I'm excited. Like, every year I'm like, alright, it's at the con. I don't have a huge amount of responsibilities. I'm going to get up to shit. I'm going to go to bed by 10pm every night. Yeah, yeah. But still, I'm just like, woo, I could, I could get up to shit. You're going to sling books all day, have dinner, and then be like, oh, oh my god, tired. I'm tired. Like, yeah. I might go hang out with some people, and then I'll go to bed at 10pm because I'm a responsible adult. There'll probably be a lot of both bronies and furries that you know oh, yeah. at the like, con. There, there's going to be a ton of folks. <laughs> Like, that I haven't seen, and I'm looking forward to hopefully hooking up and seeing them. Hooking up and to see them, not to fuck, because I'm I'm old, I don't do that at conventions. <laughs> um, and so, like, yeah, I'm looking forward to being able to see a bunch of folks that I haven't seen in a few years there. Yeah. That I will hopefully be able to catch, even if only briefly. Yeah. Because it is Anthrocon, it is still one of the major nexuses of the furry fandom, where everybody goes to, and there's a lot of folks I haven't seen. And so, like, there's only so much that, like, oh, I, I make sure to fave all their shit on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's a different when you get to actually see them in person. Or then you just sort of boop the little heart symbol on their badge. Yeah, like, I like, like you. It's like, oh, hey, we're <laughs> mutuals. Boop, boop. Like, <laughs> I, I faved you. Yay! Um, or I've been upvoted. Yeah, that functionality. Get your updutes. <laughs> <sighs> so, to cap out this week, as we're already to, like, almost an hour of recording time. <laughs> How are you enjoying Cryptopocalypse V5 or whatever? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Like, so there was that tweet about how, like, it's easy now to say that NFTs were a scam and a Ponzi scheme from, you know, from the beginning. But it was also easy to see that at the beginning and the middle, and you, didn't, yeah. you just didn't listen to me. And, like... <laughs> NFTs have crashed. Bitcoin has crashed. Ethereum has crashed. Every bit of crypto has been wibbly and wobbly and timey-wimey, and Bitcoin is struggling to stay above $20,000 when it was earlier this year at, like, 60. Um, if you... Basically, if you had, like, you know, you're, you're lost two-thirds of your fucking... If you had one Bitcoin, you're down by two-thirds. Mm-hmm. If you had more than that, well... Sucks to be you. You know, and if you got into it five or ten years ago, whenever Bitcoin came out, I don't even know how yeah. long Bitcoin like if, came if out. You, if you got into it way back in the day and hopefully cashed out by now, sure, 
some people probably made a good amount of money. But, like... But, like, don't get into it now. Don't have gotten into it in the last five years. It's just losing over losing. When was the Super Bowl? Super Bowl 2022 was on February 13th. And if you remember at the time, they had all those fucking ads were like... Crypto.com Crypto.com or something, like... Matt Damon calling you a pussy if you don't put all your money into crypto. That, and shit. Was that their Super Bowl ad? I remember yeah. hearing about the ad. Okay. There's all these crypto ads, like twelve crypto ads. For I can't believe he agreed to do it. I'm just like, dude, you're a fucking He's like, movie star. I like money. How much money could they have paid him? He could have just gone and shot a movie. Well, well, I mean, hey, I guess look, it's probably like an afternoon of work. Like right? Crypto.com bought the naming rights to some arena somewhere. So Yes, and then within, of- within like three months, I think, it, they lost it because they couldn't make the payments. And now it's it's gone back to whatever generic the, name it had before. The Spirit Arena. I believe it was the Staples Arena originally. So they yeah. outbid the Staples company yeah. to call it I don't know, Crypto Arena or something. So like in the last 24 hours Bitcoin has gone lost $1,000 in value. Okay? Mm-hmm. In the last month it's gone from 30000 down to 20000 but then you look at a year, and it capped out in November 21 at 67000 and now it's 20000 Wow. And so, like, you have all this crypto shit the, that's just collapsing everywhere. The, the only reason that it's above twenty k is that, like, the, the stablecoin that's backing it up is just printing money as fast as it can. So mm-hmm. the question of it actually being... Uh, solvent is up in the air. Especially since Stablecoin was the one that got hacked recently, right? Yep. There's, you know, you have Elon Musk being sued for $258 billion Which over is his amazingly Dogecoin. more than what he's worth. Exactly. <laughs> uh, over Dogecoin being a pyramid scheme. You have the crypto lender Celsius being investigated by multiple states after they had to freeze transactions because, oh no, a transaction got clogged in our tubes um there was a post basically saying hey you know it's like crypto has lost 1.1 trillion dollars in market capitalization in the last day last 77 days so in less than three months like 1.1 trillion dollars of fictionalized value has gone poof Mm -hmm. and is tesla stock still exploding uh I'll, let me check that. But, like, there was another thing where reported losses from crypto scams in 2021 were 60 times larger than in 2018. Because, like, if you follow accounts like Web3 is going great. Uh, <laughs> such a great name for, a, for an account. And it's just, like, all their shit is going, like, just terribly. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so Tesla is at 650.28. Yeah. Which is great, except year-to-date, on January 3rd, it was at $1,200. Ah. Uh, so, in six months, it's gone from being... It's the, lost 45.8% of its value since the start of the year. Yeah, so in April, it was at $1,145 on April 4th, and then today, it ended at six fifty. So, again, if you were like, yes, I'm going to invest in crypto and Tesla after the Super Bowl, you're a fucking dumbass who's getting what you deserve. But also, it, it's affecting everything because, like, mm-hmm. the the actual stock market's going down too. But like, 
so much of this is actually tied up to crypto bullshit. And like the people that put their money in early and got their money out afterwards, they they ride off into the sunset with all your cash and everybody left holding the bag just gets fucked. Mm -hmm. Like you have situations where pension funds were investing in crypto Mm -hmm. and they're losing money. And like teachers, uh, I think it was like Tennessee or Kentucky had like teachers pension fund that was tied up in crypto that has now lost a bunch of value and shit like that. And so like you have situations where like our dipshit Texas government's trying to invite people to come to Texas and, you know, use our robust grid power to know, just, Bitcoin. Uh, it's like, what's the stupidest fucking thing you can imagine? Our governor will do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I think the biggest indicator that the crypto bubble has largely burst for the non-facility-owning individuals, the fact that you would now get 3080s at MSRP. Yeah. So you can get yeah. last, well, last gen, current gen video cards for MSRP on eBay or on Amazon. On eBay, people are still trying to sell them and, like, double the MSRP. They're not going to sell because they've been used. But Didn't, like, wasn't there some article about somebody complaining that they bought, like, a bunch of fucking video cards and now they can't sell them and they've lost all this money? Yeah, like, I, I bet I can go to New... Actually, I can go to EVGA's website and I can... Right now, I could, in theory, purchase a 3080 mm-hmm. for MSRP. I... All I can think of when I hear stories like like that kind of um, scalper losing money is like, have you seen that meme of the tardigrade playing a violin? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So an EVGA GeForce 3080 Ultra Hybrid Gaming with the water cool block 909 add to cart. Uh, 3080 Ultra Blah 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 939. Oh, wait, that's out of stock. Never mind. Uh, But the 3080 with water cool block, MSRP. 3080 without the without the water cooler 939. And they were selling for like two or three times their retail. Yeah, they were like two thousand bucks. Now, uh, 3080 with backplate and also their bullshit 1149. Um, like there are some that are overpriced because they're like the fancier versions that have water cooling and RGB and it gives you a fucking blowjob. I guess I don't know. Right, but. Like, you can get 3090s. Uh, so speaking of blowjobs, there are things that you shouldn't stick your dick in. We should mention the inspiration behind this week's episode title. Right. Is the um, this home system that you can have a series of tubes built into your house that have, like, an always-on vacuum thing where you can just throw your dirty laundry against the wall, it'll get sucked into a tube and routed to whatever room in your house the laundry room is in. Yes. And people are kind of... I, I hope that it has some kind of sensor on it that, like, t- cuts it off if, the, if it detects um, living material or something like that, but people are freaking out about, you know, remember how all those kids and teenagers got their their dicks stuck into pool intake valves, and vacuum then, cleaners, and, and vacuum cleaners. They had to like add the <laughs> had to add cock cages to the to the swimming pool. Things, yeah, basically. Um, they're like, wow, this seems like a really bad idea to have something like this at like abdomen height. You yeah. know? <laughs> so it's called the laundry jet, 
and in the video, it's people tossing just random shit into it as they pass by. Mm-hmm. It's all, like, t-shirts and underwear and socks. And people are like, yo, I want to see this with, like, a pair of jeans. Or, uh-huh. and then, like, half the comments are like, people are going to fuck this, and where's the cat? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I immediately thought of? My three- and five-year-old nieces and what kind of shit they would enjoy just throwing in there to see oh, what happens. every single plush would just end up in the laundry chute. Paint, dude. Paint. Oh, dude. Or they'd pour <laughs> juice into it. Or a fucking bucket of Lego. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine what a noise that would make rattling around your house and then dumping onto your washing machine? <laughs> yeah, and, and getting stuck and... Like, but no, where's the cat is a legitimate fucking concern. I mean, God, God forbid you have like like a small rodent pet, like a gerbil or something or, like or that. Or a ferret, you know, oh, critters God. that love tubes. Yeah, right? I'm going to go into super tube. <laughs> where's the ferret? Oh, he's in the laundry basket. Whoops. Why is the ferret in the hamper again? <laughs> <laughs> Just fucking sucked to the house, banged off the walls. Oh, Jesus. So... Yeah, it's one of those things where, yeah, because there, there were those things where, like, there used to be house vacuum systems where there'd just be tubes in the walls and you'd flip a switch and it would activate a centralized yeah, vacuum. But pump. at least you, like, latched on a hose. Yeah, and you had and to then flip, you flip it on. The switch. And it was only for that section of the house and there was covers. This in the video is just like. It's a suck tube. It's a suck tube. Uh, And yes, the the tweet that we used as our reference point was, I'm an ER doctor. I'm (laughs) just an ER doctor here to tell you that the healthcare system is not in a position to deal with the consequences of a waist-high turbosuction device. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Accidental penectomies or just... Because, like, there are old-school, like, medical reports of people that tried to use a vacuums to hose to get sucked off and mm-hmm. it resulted in them getting cuts because like older vacuums had like the metal yeah stuff yeah like, luckily i grew up at a time when like vacuums didn't have metal chopping blades in them but apparently yeah. that was a thing for a while uh, but like i can't see sticking your dick into rollers though that like, would that would go real badly i think yeah it's like they're they're stiff brushes and it's also rotating you know you just no let's not mm-hmm. um but like yeah like just it, it's also very telling in the video that there's no sound it's just like music over there so like you just go through the house and just, like, just constantly in the just house or just the sound of screaming yeah from children and pets getting stuck in it it's like oh no you threw a ball and the dog got sucked in oh no we had a dosh well, we we know what happens when you put your your hands together in a circle in front of a dog's snout, they put their snout in it. Yeah. A dog will totally put their snout in this thing. And or if it's like if it's a fucking smaller dog or a cat, some child is gonna be holding on to their cat's tail, like trying desperately to drag it out of the mega force suction tube. <sighs> yeah. It's just like see something's just such a horrible idea like the juicero was a really really stupid idea but at least it d- didn't seem to have any ability to like kill or maim anybody <laughs> yeah i mean that's the biggest thing it's like people need to ask will can someone die from this and sometimes the ins- i guarantee you it is so expensive that no average person 
could afford to retrofit their house for it. Oh, it has. It is a product made for rich fucking assholes to either have a house built that way or can afford to have all the tubing put in. Yeah, because like this is like routing. If I could afford to have that kind of level of tubing work done on my house, I'd be dropping Cat Six cables, not adding a housewide laundry sucker. Exactly. So, needless to say, the comments on that were very much divided between "this will kill your dog" <laughs> and "you're going people are going to fuck this." Right. Yeah. Um, and to bend it back to Star Trek, there was an epi- one of the episodes where it was one of the Moriarty episode in mm-hmm. Next Generation, where it's like you know the holodeck. It's like an Xbox that occasionally eats your cat. <laughs> Or, well, actually, it was one of the first Dixon Hill episodes where mm-hmm. one of the dudes gets shot by one of the NPCs in the holodeck, and he's like, wait, what the fuck? How right. did that happen? What's going on? There, there's an episode of Lower Decks when someone gets an unpleasant job assignment as punishment for not following orders or something, and it's they have to clean out the biofilters in the holodeck. <laughs> They're like, do people really use it for that? Oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look, I we just watched an episode, The Emissary, uh, season three, mm-hmm. where Worf and the half-Klingon woman oh, um, yeah. fuck in the holodeck yep. after killing a bunch of, of aliens. <laughs> yeah, but at least, like, they're two actual people, so the cum probably went somewhere you would expect it to go. But when you just go and fuck a hologram and then turn it off, it's just... It's just there. It's just there. Yeah. <laughs> it goes into the biofilter and some fucking ensign has to clean it out. It's a mop in a bucket and there's like... Yeah, holodecks. There's this... Um, oh, God. There, so there's this a really good sci-fi book I've mentioned before called uh, Six Wakes. Uh-huh. by Merle Lafferty. And it's the one where they're all clones. And they, it, it, It's one of those universes where your brain is supposed to be automatically backed up, dumped into your new clone body, so when your body dies and a new one is, is created, you get your memories back. And that doesn't happen in this case. So they all wake up and they are surrounded by the dead bodies of their, their previous bodies. And they don't know what happened. And so they're trying to solve the murder mystery. And at one point, somebody gets assigned, the lowest ranking member of the crew, gets assigned to clean out the air filters in the cloning lab because the gravity was off during this disaster. So a lot of fucking blood and bodily pieces, because people were like stabbed and shit like that, got sucked into the air circulation system of the room. So they had to go and clean the filter and then sift through it for clues. Yeah, not fun. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like a lot of... That's time for, you know, Trek CSI. Yeah, yeah. Um, Also, like, it's worth noting that, like, at the end of Season 2, you have Dr. Pulaski, and then Season 3 starts up and Crusher's back, and they never mention her ever again. Yeah, it's sad that they don't mention Pulaski. Like, I was not a Pulaski hater. I thought she was you fine. Know, I thought she was a fine character. And, like, do you know the actual real-life depressing reason why Dr. Crusher isn't in Season 2? No. One of the executive producers of Star Trek on Season 1 
was sexually harassing Gates McFadden. Oh. So she left. That guy quit at the end of season two. And they were like, the asshole's gone. Do you want your job back? And she said yes. And that's why Dr. Crusher is, is back in Star Trek with season three on. <laughs> and back. I'm like, I... I didn't give fun in quotes. Yeah. All this time I've been a Star Trek fan. I found this out like less than a year ago. Uh, it was it was a story on Twitter and I was like, fuck. I just assumed it was contract dispute or she had gotten another gig that would have conflicted with their filming times and they're like, okay, you're not in this season, but you can come back next season. I, I had no idea it was that dark. And it was a real fucking bummer to find out that that was on a show that was, you know, very formative for me. Yeah, well, I mean, that was, like, a less distressing but more of a fun fact where, like, how Riker always would step over chairs to sit down. Right, And, yeah. like, when he did that initially, it was to accommodate his back injury. Yep. And I was like, oh, If okay. you watch Riker with that in mind, you will notice that he is very often... Leaning on a console, leaning on a railing, has one leg up on something. If he's like in a scene where he's standing, uh-huh. he's usually doing some physical thing to alleviate some kind of pressure that he has from a back issue. That was like, one of those, oh shit, I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. And like for a year, it was like a really funny meme, like, haha, Commander Riker can't sit down like a normal human being. And it's like, oh, oh he was doing that on purpose. Yeah, and it's one of those things that I never would have noticed until it was pointed out to me, and then I read why he does that in real life, which is really sad because like he's a really good guy in real life. Yeah, and like it adds to his character, and is never explained in the show. Oh, I hurt my back, yeah. but like even knowing that, it's like all right, that still adds to his character. Yeah, I mean, even in season three when they went to having the two piece wool costumes as opposed to the single piece spandex costumes that they had in season one and two. Yeah. Um, apparently those were so tightly tailored to the individual actors that they would had fear of cutting off circulation when they sat down. Oh my god. Um, and so like... The spandex ones or the new ones? The spandex ones. Oh, okay. And like yeah. in season three forward as they were like, oh, we're going to be doing this for a while. Let's have more comfortable costumes. Yeah, I believe they, like some of them had to wear girdles as well when well, like, they were wearing those uh, skin tight suits. Will Wheaton always complained about, like, the Wesley's... Wesley's outfits had, like, fake muscles on them and shit. Yeah. And so, like, it looked pretty awkward, and then later on he didn't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's just like, oh, you know, as we're doing this rewatch, we're, like, learning all these fun facts of a show that aired 30 years ago. Um, and then, of course, yeah, I did... Like, it's a show you grew up on. Yeah. You know? But so. now I'm, like, revisiting... I mean, I used to have the Starlog magazine. Oh, my God! Yeah, me too! I had, I had every issue of the Star Trek Next Generation yeah, magazine. Yeah, I, I read those, and I had those, and I was like, oh, shit, but, like, now, as an adult, I'm going back and watching them again going, this is still really good television, and also, I want a large-scale print of that painting of the Enterprise that hangs in Picard's ready room. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to hang it over my, ba- my uh, fireplace. Your fireplace, yep. It'd be perfect. Um, I'm actually tempted. So there's this place at Grapevine Mills that sells a bunch of, like, it's bootleg prints and shit and uh-huh. frames, and I'm like, I wonder if they would have, like that particular bootleg print in a frame I could buy. I know I had a copy of it. Um, and I know there was, like, for a while you could get them, and sometimes there were giveaways and stuff like that. I mean, that. you can buy them off Amazon. Yeah. Uh, I can get a high-quality print, but I'm just sort of like... But you know what's interesting also? I remember reading this statistic years ago. Part of the reason Star Trek Next Generation holds up so well um, as far as its look, um, even before they did the big remaster and redid all the digital effects, is 
apparently it had a budget of about a million dollars an episode, which in the late 80s and early 90s is fucking huge. Oh, yeah. But, like, they had the they had a wood grain fucking console and the bridge. They had the, <laughs> the funky chairs. Like, the... It, the one critique of the Enterprise D bridge that I'll always remember is someone said it looks like the lobby of a Holiday Inn. <laughs> yeah, but like you know, having the realization that the the conference room is actually on the backside of the bridge mm-hmm. and was one of those like, oh shit, that's where that is. Okay, yeah, and it has like the two doors, and mm-hmm. it was like oh okay, that's what that is on the back of the bridge bubble, and so like you start. Realizing more, even though like, yeah. I watched the shit out of this the, series as a kid. The lavatory door is actually in the section that doesn't exist in real life because that's where the cameras are. Uh-huh. But there's like the view screen, right? And if you're looking at the view screen, the door on the left is Picard's ready room, but there's a door on the right, and that's the lavatory. Nice. And then you have behind you, you got the turbo lift in the conference room. Yeah, it's just like. And if you look like. I've got one. Um, I've had a couple of those. Enterprise D blueprint uh-huh. kits and like Cetacean Ops is, is on there. Like it had been a known thing since the 90s. It, it, there was a sign. Yeah. In the show. Oh, wow. I, I don't remember that. That's cool. But um, they it's never actually seen on screen until Lower Decks. Nice. And the dolphins are wearing Starfleet uniforms and they're horny. Of course. <laughs> it's funny to have like this. There's a scene where one of the characters does this heroic thing, has to hold their breath for a long time, and then like when they get when they come out of the water, the dolphins push them out of the water, and they're trying to like restore breath, and they're like, Pour water on him! He's drying out <laughs> <laughs> Trying to help. Yeah, it's just funny to have like a next generation like rebirth of a fandom in 2022. Yeah. It's like, oh, I haven't watched this in like 20 years. It still really fucking holds up. Yeah. I might unironically like this. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's that. And then maybe we'll do a rewatch of uh, DS9. That was another good series. Yeah. A lot more serialized. Yeah. Um, and that's because uh, Roddenberry died, I think, after the first season of DS9. And. Gene was very much about the reset button. Like, he wanted you to be able to like, watch a season three episode of TNG and then not see it again till like, season six. Still know exactly who everybody was and what their deal is. Yeah. So it's somewhat limited character development, and you couldn't do a lot of long-running story arcs. But because he was mainly focused on TNG, and then after the first year passed away, DS9 was less under his eye. So they could kind of take it in their own direction. And that was that was somewhat deliberate that DS9 was going to be their different show. Um, I mean, it was on a space station and not a starship. So right. So it was kind of stuck in a place. And they, they wanted it to be different in that also you have the mix of Starfleet personnel and uh, Bajoran security officers, and, you know, they're on Bajor. The Cardassians are involved, stuff like that. Like, so the the true successor to TNG was designed to be Voyager. You're on a Starfleet ship. You're on a spaceship. You're visiting other planets. You're having weekly episodic storytelling. And Voyager does have sort of an arc, depending on when you drop in, where are they in the Delta Quadrant? Because some aliens are like in season one, 
But then by, like, season three, they're well out of their space, so you don't see a Kazon again. Yeah. Unless it's in, like, a flashback or, or something like that. And then the Borg become a major antagonistic thing again in, like, the latter seasons of Voyager. Yep. Um, but, yeah, it's like, but Star yeah, Trek, yay! Yeah. Old nerd. Star Trek! Woo! Woo! Creep. Yeah, we fist bump you just hear the cracking sounds around knuckles. Riker can still get it in 2022. No, he absolutely can. Cause, I mean, um, you haven't seen him, but he's in he's in Picard yeah. season one. He, he still looks pretty good and, for his age. Like, and he's primarily he primarily he doesn't act anymore. He's been directing since yeah. TNG ended. Basically, uh, he was directing while on TNG. A lot of the actors directed episodes, and for some of them it wasn't for them, and for other ones it was. Uh, the actress who plays Belana Torres. Um, on Voyager, she went into directing. Like, sometimes I'll be watching, like, a random sitcom or just some show out of the blue, and I'll see her name, and I'll be like, Bolana directed this episode. And Jax will be like, huh, cool. And so I think Jonathan Frakes directed an episode of The Orville in, in the first sure two seasons has. as well. It's like, I saw his name pop up. I'm just like, holy shit, Riker directed this episode. Yep. And that was probably... That was probably because everyone working on the Orville is a giant Star Trek nerd, and oh, it's yeah. very it's obvious. Orville is just fantastic. Hey, have you been watching New Horizons? New uh, season? We have not. We I, okay. honestly, like we've we dropped Netflix. We have Apple TV Plus, and are watching stuff on HBO Max. Orville's on Hulu. Yeah, if you but have. we don't have that. Okay, so like I have. And I'm not sure I need to do this because I have like it's, it's a six month trial to Disney Plus that includes all the shit ESPN and Hulu. Mm-hmm. But with this like Verizon 5G thing that they were coming around selling, mm-hmm. I need to cancel it and, re- and just return the thing because it's it's a 5G modem that's slower slower on the upload and not any faster than my fiber, and so like it has no direct utility. Huh. Um, but there's like, hey, it's a six month thing, and here's this Roku stick, and I'm like, I just need to return this shit and cancel it. But I'm also like, but I could also just pay a little bit of money and watch all of you know Owl House and whatever's on Hulu and shit, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, what you do is you you scour their catalogs online, the Hulu and Disney Plus. You set up a fucking list and a schedule, and you're like, okay, we have this X month, X day trial. Here are the things we're going to watch. Yeah. And then you and Panther fucking just binge through your list. Like, all right, watching Owl House today, we're watching Amphibia today, we're watching uh, Mandalorian, Orville, and Obi Wan, yeah. and Bad Batch, and Rebels. Oh, God, there's so much Rebels. <laughs> Yeah, oh, Rebels has been around since before Disney Plus was a thing. Yeah, it's been going a while. Yeah. It, it ended, didn't it? It ended, and then Bad Batch kind of spun off yeah. of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, I've been pretty far removed from Star Wars fandom since... Uh, Rise of Skywalker, probably. Last Jedi, actually. The, the oh, second yeah. of the second trilogy. I, I, oh, okay. I have still never seen Rise of Skywalker. Oh, wow. Like, I still have never sat down to watch it because, like... I was super fucking disgusted after, like, the fandom reaction. Like, I liked the second of... Which one is that? Last Jedi. Is Last the Jedi. One, yeah. Like, I was I was fine with that. I thought it was pretty fucking cool. Mm-hmm. But, like, just the general tenor around that fandom online was just like, I don't want to fucking touch this shit. Yeah. No, that's, that's legit, man. Because, yeah, Last Jedi is a pretty solid film. Um, 
and then they lost the director. They originally had it lined up to have a different director for each film, and they they lost the contract. I don't remember why for the director of the last one. So then they were like, "Well, let's bring in Abrams again because he did Force Awakens." And the thing about J.J. Abrams is he knows how to start something, but he doesn't know how to stick the landing. Yeah. So bringing him in, him in for the third part of the trilogy of which he had no control over what happened in part two was like not a good idea. And then also like I read in interviews, like the actress that played Ray was like, there were days where I was Palpatine. There were days when I was a solo. There were days when I was a Kenobi. Like they kept changing her lineage. Like, Right up until it's fucking released. Yeah. Like, so she's literally shooting scenes from day to day, doesn't really know what her character's own backstory is because they keep fucking around with it. Yeah. So, like, I'm super far divorced from Star Wars, and I'm, like, gone and, you know, rewatching a bunch of Trek. Is like, yeah, I still, I still really fucking love this, but, like, the I last... have to sit down and find some media in that to really, like, reignite my interest in that series. The last Star Wars movie is worth watching in a. You turn off your brain and watch the Spilody. Yeah. You know, um, it's it's fine. It's an enjoyable watch. Do I think it's a great movie? No. Do I think it ties up that particularly trilogy very well? Not particularly. But it's fine. You know? Like, um, it's a two or three star film, I guess. Yeah, and like, they're doing more stuff with Star Wars now. They have like Taika Waititi doing a Star Wars film that's just like, it doesn't have anything to do with any of the main characters. It's going to be its own Star Wars shit. I don't know, but I know there's so many fucking Star Wars projects that are just kind of in various stages of development. A lot of them got postponed or pushed back because of the pandemic. But I know I've been enjoying, I've been enjoying the TV series, the various series that they've had out. Um, did you see Solo, by the way? Yes, I thought it was pretty good. It, it was. It's pretty. It's a solid. It was fucking a heist, heist movie film. in Star Wars. Yeah, it's fine. And I thought people um, complained there was no lightsaber fights, and I'm like, it wasn't about that. It was a heist movie. It's a gigantic galaxy. It doesn't all revolve around the Jedi. Um, fucking uh, shit. Who was who was Calrissian? Uh, Donald Glover. Donald Glover. He can get it too. Yeah. Um. Like, yeah, like, that was a good-ass film, and then they're just like, oh, nope, we're not going to do anything else, and then they shifted everything to Disney+. Plus. So I read in an interview, um, Hansel, um, Hansel, Harrison Ford had seen Solo, and I don't remember the actor's name that played young Solo, but apparently Harrison Ford's comment was, the kid fucking nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, that's pretty high praise. Uh, Billy D. Williams also very much enjoyed Donald Glover's take on Lando. Um, and I, I don't think we talked about this on the show, but I, I retweeted this uh, just brilliant Star Wars idea uh, that, that someone had put out there. They're like, there needs to be a show that starts with Billy D. Williams as Lando, and he's in some disreputable casino, and he's telling a story, and then it flashes back to Donald Glover playing young Lando and having the adventure. And, like, maybe sometimes people interrupt Billy D. Williams and they're like, that's not how it happened. And he's just like, hold on, I'm telling the story. And you have him be the narrator throughout it. And I was, and I was like, yeah, it's a really fucking good idea. That It'd be nice if they did something like that. Yeah, I mean, just fucking get wild with it. 
Um, but since it is now 10 p.m. and we're now an hour and a half on the Raw, we should probably wrap this up. Yeah. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed our ramble cast where we talk about Star Trek and fandom bullshit and all that fun nonsense. Um, next yeah. week, there will not be another episode because I will be at Anthrocon and you will be here in... I'll be crying because I'm all alone. You'll be all alone. I'll have to hang out with you. No, next next Friday is your birthday. Wait. You'll be the answer on the following week. Oh, shit. Well, next Friday we'll just... Uh, we can hang out and we can have cake. Yeah, so... I, I, fuck, man. What is time? I keep forgetting, like, when is... What is the date? You yeah. have a memory. What? So we we um we probably won't record next week because it'll be Saturday's birthday. We'll just I just like to just sort of chill out. But um and then the week after that'll be Anthrocon, but then the week after that we can come back and we can hear all about Saturn's Anthrocon adventures. Oh, stop, what are you doing? And it's like, hey, check it out. Here's summer twenty nineteen. It's a slideshow of me dressing all femme at Anthrocon 2019, where I don't look quite so haggard and sad, and there's not gray in my hair. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck off, iPhoto. I don't want to see this. Ah. <laughs> um, so yeah, next week is my birthday. Shit, I'll be 39. Um, wow. You'll feel, feel free to spank me. That's a mm. lot of spanks. Ooh, ooh. Um, my arm is getting tired because I am also old. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, shit, I'm not sure what I'm gonna be doing for my birthday. Fuck. Alright, well, I know this weekend is Father's Day, so I gotta do stuff with my dad on Sunday, um, but... It means I'm just gonna buy myself something nice, because... You deserve it, Wolf. Well, no, so, Ajax, you can just say it's Daddy's Day, and you have fuzz, so... Buy him something nice. Oh, I always give my daddy something nice for Father's Day. Aww. Aww. I always used to get that for Tyrion before I even moved in with him. Aww. I like the new shirt, by the way. I don't know if it's new or... Oh, yeah. It's, it's Tom Nook. Ajax has wandered into the party. Yeah, we are. We're just wrapping up. So. Yep. Alright, so yeah, southpawscast at gmail.com. Patreon.com slash southpawscast, southpawscast on Twitter. Furplanet.com, buy some books. Ah! Hashtag shill. Yeah, shill, shill, shill. And then uh, buy some books from us at Anthrocon. That'll, oh my god, it's in two weeks. Two weeks! Ah! <laughs>